0: morning again that was my daughter crawling up on the stage she just wanted to bring me my phone it's okay um i'm not travis i'm justin Uh, i'm the worship leader and uh travis is away this week so he asked me to give you all sermon and so i'm up here to do so uh well, yes, just wait till I'm done, and then we'll see. But, uh, you know, it's always an honor to be up here, to be able to speak for everyone. Um, it is, it is a, a task, and I think I've said it before, but uh, and I'm sure Jared can attest to actually, and he does it every week with youth, but to put this stuff together and try to make it coherent um, and useful for you all uh, is a lot of, uh, I feel a lot of weight you know, things happen, and uh, you write part of your sermon, and then you don't save it, and then it disappears off your computer, so you have to start over, Um, so it's just, it's a stressful time, but I'm just uh, so glad for the opportunity to speak with you all, Um, and I also just want to say, I need to shout out my wife, Renee, because uh, uh, I was living kind of a nightmare this morning, and uh, preaching, and I forgot something at home, and she put three of our kids together real quick and got into church um, and got us the things we need so that we could broadcast uh, for everyone at home. So um, I'm so appreciative uh, of her um, being able to do that. But let me dive right into it here. Um, if you can throw the slide up there. The title of my sermon is uh, Self-Lessie um, because uh, I feel like we need to be more selfless and not so much selfie Um, so that's why it's like that it's not a real word but I just uh, I don't know that selfie is either maybe they have added it to the dictionary Um, but it got me to thinking uh, you know just about bumper stickers Uh, oddly enough I was just thinking to myself who came up with bumper stickers and I looked it up it was Forrest P. McGill Uh, And he realized that some self adhesive from uh, the World War II era was great for uh, putting advertising on vehicles. And so the earliest uses for bumper stickers were tourist attractions, uh, marine gardens, somewhere in Florida, uh, you know, several, Seven Falls, Colorado. And I know you're wondering, uh, the political bumper stickers didn't happen until uh, 1952. Uh, So. uh, I was at a gas station recently and a gentleman placed uh, a very large bumper sticker on his car as he was uh, get, getting his gas. Um, and it was a very political sticker and it showed me very clearly um, his views. And it led me to think, why do people put these bumper stickers on their cars? Um, you know, like everyone dry- driving around is just dying to know exactly what you believe in. I mean, honestly. Have you ever been driving down 95, staring at the Honda CRV in front of you, thinking, man, I wish I knew all this person's thoughts and beliefs on various life and political subjects? (laughs) I'm guessing no. Um, (laughs) And this, uh, all this thinking uh, then led me to think about Facebook and what it's become. Um, It's just another place where in our society today, we believe everyone should be privy uh, to all thoughts and positions we support that run through our minds on a daily basis. Um, I remember the good old days of Facebook when you were just posting about how far you were in Farmville or um, you're trying to find every friend from you know, elementary school uh, from the past. Um, now it's just an, ex- an extension of everyone's mind uh, and front and center for your, your viewing pleasure 24 seven. Support this, love this, I hate this. Look at this, I just ate that. And on and on it goes. Um, you know, so I, I just sit here and I think, is this what we were called to be? Should my focus be on my beautiful reflection that I stare at in the mirror every morning? No, it's, it's not. Just, just to be clear. <laughs> um, uh, is this what God has called us to do with our lives? Focus on me and make sure the world knows about me? Um... We love us some we, or me, or you. Uh, You you get what I'm trying to say. In an age that is moving faster than ever before, and where personal interaction is at a minimum, um, we seem to lose sight of uh, what's around us and found a very narrow focus on just our our individual selves. Um, So how do we get back on track? Um, We have to move from selfie to selfless see uh, and so i want to take a look here at two places uh, real quick before we dive in uh, to what we're going to focus on um, where i think it's made very clear what we should do um, with our lives um, and so the first place is matthew twenty-two, thirty-six 36 through 39 if you have your bibles or bible app and it says teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law jesus replied love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All right, what we, what we find here, very clear from Jesus. First command is to love God. And the very next one, right after loving God, is love your neighbor. And he continues um, a little down the road in Matthew twenty-eight, sixteen through 20. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and sh- surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's pretty clear cut, if you ask me, and straightforward from our Savior's mouth. Love God, love your neighbor, make disciples. There's not a lot of room for being selfish in these directives so we're going to travel uh, down to the road between Jerusalem and Jericho and we're going to look at the story of the Good Samaritan this morning to help us refocus our hearts and our minds um, so now you can turn with me to Luke 10 25 37 on one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus teacher he asked what must I do to inherit eternal life what is written in the law he replied And when I return, I will reimburse you for for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell at the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is a very powerful parable, or uh, a PP, or what I like to say, P squared, um, Now let me just give you some background on this road to Jericho. Uh, We're heading down because the elevation of Jerusalem is set higher than Jericho. Um, You're also moving into a barren, uh, pretty much desert area. Uh, So there's not a lot around around here for anybody. You're basically walking 18 miles down a rocky downhill desert. Uh, The road, it was a major thoroughfare for caravans, military and whatnot. Uh, but because of the, the makeup, uh, there was isolating aspects of the road where there were many places where people, for people to hide and rob you and for you to be on your own in that moment. Uh, so what do we really learn from this P-squared? Uh, remember, powerful parable. Um, well, to understand that, we now must understand the relationships taking place here. Now, the man was robbed, left for dead, on the road, uh, we, and we see in verse 31, a priest passes this man and moves to the other side of the road. A priest, you would think, would be the first to come to this man's aid. Priests were the high authority on law and guiding people religiously, and yet he decides to move to the opposite side of the road. This would be like me, laying on the side of the road, beat up, Travis seeing me, and pulling the old, oh, what's over here, uh, routine? I'm going to head over here that's it's not a good look uh, and then Jesus continues in verse 32 he says a Levite then comes by and does the same thing so remember I'm on the ground I'm bloody uh, on the side all my things are taken my pastors passed me and now a church member let's say Sean my bassist for the worship team he uh, he suddenly uh, gets an important phone call and needs to get to the other side of the road uh, <laughs> I see you, Sean. I know you saw me. <laughs> then we finally get to verse 33, and a Samaritan strolls on by. Does he run to the other side? No. He takes pity on the man and goes to bandage him up and take care of him. And we see that in 33 and 34. But the Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put him on his own donkey, brought him to an end and took care of him now if you do not understand the significance of this yet um, as the parables playing out then I have to give you a little bit more of a backstory Samaritans and Jews were like Florida State and UF or Dallas those dirty Eagles or any other NFC East team or if sports references aren't for you like hot and cold you know these groups of people were opposites um, the Jews saw themselves as the top of the totem and the Samaritans were way down at the bottom of society's rankings um, so basically a murderous sinner who doesn't have a relationship with Christ stopped to help me over Travis and Sean, I mean I mean a priest and a Levite um, I kid but seriously Samaritans were looked down on by the Jews and now being a african myself i am mixed black and white Um, i can attest to the samaritans plight here Um, they hailed the samaritans that is from samaria shocker um, which is north of jerusalem and they were half jew half gentile ooh um yes um back when the kingdoms were split right we had the north kingdom and the south the north being israel and the south being judah Uh, they were taking turns not listening to God. Uh, and one of the punishments for the north was being occupied by the Assyrians in 721 B.C. Um, and then they started some intermarriage there and, uh, with the Israelites, and boom, you get some Samaritans. Um, Samaritans had their own unique copy of the Torah and worship system as well. Because of all this, Jews had no dealings with Samaritans, and we see this in John 4 9. Uh, The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me to drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. There was no association. And we see further divide um, if you look at Nehemiah when he's rebuilding the walls in in Jerusalem. Samaritans were the ones opposing Nehemiah and they were trying to cause trouble for him as they considered themselves true descendants of Israel. What Jesus paints for us here is a beautiful picture of expectations about um, what we think should happen and doesn't. Uh, and the most uh, most unlikely of happenings is the actual result. Jesus starts with the most likely source of aid, the priest, and works down the line of people who should show grace and care for others with the Levite. And then we finally reach what was considered by the Jews the, the least of society in the Samaritan who lends the care and aid. Has that ever happened to you? Something unexpected happens that you did not think would come from a place that did. Uh, Maybe it's a boss that's always on your case, but then you receive a recommendation or promotion with high praise from that boss. Or maybe it's that neighbor who doesn't know how to maintain their yard and lets their animals poop all over your side and uh, who you fought with many times, but uh, then offers to assist with a dead battery in your car. Whatever the situation may be, Jesus is painting a clear picture of just how impressive this act was. So let's dive into it a little more, Uh, uh, just what uh, this Samaritan did uh, to his assumed enemy. As we read in Luke 10.35 again, it says, The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Not only did the Samaritan help the man and then take him to safety, but he then pays for him to stay at a hotel and cover any costs that may take place. And we see that he prepays with two denarii. And I always find it interesting in the Bible, you know, money, measurements, I'm never quite sure what they mean. Doesn't mean an inch, doesn't mean 20 miles. Um, So there is a note in there uh, for denarii, and it says um, that it's the usual daily wage for a laborer. So this Samaritan rescued the fallen man, found him shelter, and then paid two days worth of his work to assist in his recovery. And then he sent, also said, you know, he'd cover any extra charges. I assume that that was a big deal to give up, give up two days of your wages um, and possibly more just to help a stranger. I mean, how many of you right now would give up two days of your labor to help a stranger uh, when you think about it uh, when you put it in those terms it's, it's pretty impressive and selfless thing the Samaritan did so what am I getting at here um, we're gonna just focus on the event and I, I really just want to talk about some of the selfish things uh, that took place um, at the beginning as compared to the selflessness of the Samaritan And the first uh, behavior I noticed was that um, taking what is not yours. All right. Again, we read in Luke uh, 10, verse 30, In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down to Jerusalem, to Jericho, and then he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. The, The robbers attacked this man, they beat him, they left him naked and barely alive they have no right to this man's belongings or to cause him harm yet they decided it was right for them to do so why as far as the story goes the parties did not know each other there was no debt or feud just men who wanted to take from their neighbor how often do we do that same thing we might not beat and rob someone all right but how 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 often are we maybe at work not you know Maybe using that time wisely. That's could be seen as theft, right? Um, and there's two verses here that go along with this, you know, taking of what's not yours. First Corinthians 10:24. Don't be concerned f- for your own good, but for the good of others. And James 3:16. For where you have envy and selfish amb- ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. It says it right here. This way of thinking, this, I'm gonna take what's mine. It breeds disorder and it is evil. The second area of selfishness we see here is avoiding responsibility. The priest and the Levite both pass by this fallen man and choose to stay out of it. Not my problem. But is it their problem? Let's, let's see. James 4, 17. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. In Galatians 6, 2. Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Failure from the two people we might expect the most to help. What we read is, this is sin, and we are called to bear each other's burdens. We're not called to notice someone's burdens. We're not called to acknowledge, hey, your life looks like it's pretty tough right now. No, we're called to bear each other's burdens. I guess they didn't see it as a burden. You know, maybe they just perceived this man's situation differently. Uh, Maybe it was out of fear. Uh, Who knows? I'm sure they thought it could have been a trap for more robbing. Um, It makes me think of the movie Book of Eli, if you've seen that. Uh, my main man, Denzel, is traveling through a desolate wasteland in post-apocalyptic, in bad future world. And uh, (laughs) he's on his way to deliver a book, and he happens upon uh, a woman needing help. Uh, He is weary of helping her and uses his powerful smell sense to detect others lying in wait. Uh, So he saves himself. Um, now, should these men be operating in fear that they, uh, when they see someone hurt, probably not. Uh, I'm not saying that if uh, they did fear this specific scenario, that absolves them. It doesn't. Um, just, I'm just spitting out some of the excuses we use in these situations, right? Oh, you know that that doesn't make me comfortable. You know this. Yeah. I should, you know, go there and do that, but, you know, just it's just too hard, I, I'm really busy. I mean, we have excuses. At the end of the day, these two verses that I've read clearly state our job and what failing to do so results in. We are to bear each other's burdens, and if we fail to do the right thing, we, uh, of which we know, then we have sinned. We continue on in this this story and we see that there is absolutely no care for others. We see through the robbers, the priest, and the Levite that there was no caring for this man bloodied on the side of the road. We've just discussed the burdens that we are to help bear and there are plenty more verses about that and there are plenty of verses that talk about caring for others. I'm going to read through them here. Hebrews 13 16 And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. John fifteen, twelve. My command is this love each other as I have loved you. Matthew five, forty two. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. That's tough. Romans share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And I like the New Living Translations version of this, which says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. How many of us wake up in the morning, first thing, that alarm going off, you wake up thinking, oh man, I can't wait to be hospitable to everyone around me. (laughs) I know that that's not my first thought. But I just like the picture that this paints. Be eager to practice hospitality. All right, this is what we're called to be: hospitable, to to support each other, to help each other out. All right, God's people, when they're in need, we have to be ready to help. We can't shy away or say it's not my problem. That's for someone else. All right, someone else is giving that person money. Someone else is making sure that they have some place to stay tonight. It's for us. It's our responsibility. And then Matthew five sixteen, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What an awesome uh, directive, all right? Shine your light so that glory may be given to God. We give glory to God when we shine that light, when we go out there, when we help, when we share burdens. These characters in the story were not loving. They were not caring And if they claimed to be religious, they were not showing that love. That same love God shows us daily, regardless of what we do. What we see in the story before the Samaritan arrives is people self-involved and not concerned with the world around them to include people who need help. Their focus was their needs and how the world was operating around them. But then we meet the Samaritan, and he gives us the blueprint for being selfless the most unlikely of characters to help someone who looks down on him. And this makes me think of that Kermit meme, um, which there are many. But I'm speaking of the one where he's sitting in the car, window rolled down, and it's slowly, there's like four box, boxes, and the window slowly rolling up. Usually the implication is like, oh, I see you over there, need help? Well, that's none of my business. It's usually sports-related. And, and that's, that's how these uh, people in the story were, were operating um did the samaritan have these thoughts in his mind not at all from what we see there's no hesitation in his mind of what to do he just does the samaritan as he travels again verse 33 he came to the man he sees the man he pities him and he goes to bandage him it doesn't say he thinks about it he kind of wrestles kicks the dirt should i do this he goes and he does He comes to the spattered man's aid and takes him to safety and continues to look after him past just rescuing him to make sure that he's okay. Here we see this man make a decision to care, to take responsibility, and bear the burden of his fellow man. The Samaritan is living the words that we read now in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Don't look out only on your own interests. Take an interest in others too. It's not not about just what you've got. And we look at John 15, 12 through 14. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And finally, Galatians 5:14. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself the point. I like to the point uh, I don't like to dance around things um, but in order to love our neighbor as ourselves we need to stop loving ourselves for the moment to have space to love our neighbor as well. I, and, I, and I'm guilty I'm, I'm first in line uh, for selfishness. Um, it's, it's a hard thing to shake. Like I said, it's just, it seems to be embedded in society as it is. Um, but we are called to not be focused on ourselves, but to be focused on what's going on. And I'm going to summarize all this rambling uh, that I have with one question and that is, who or what is your Samaritan moment right now? We live in a world so focused on self, it's, it's crazy. I mean, just, you know, the times now, uh, with technology being what it is, uh, just the shift of the world, the focus is, is me. What's good for me? How does this make me feel? It's not we, it's not how are you doing, it's not how are things going over there for those people. I mean, I joked earlier about the bumper stickers uh, on Facebook, but it really isn't a joke. Uh, For some reason, we've reached a point where we think it's normal or pertinent to the world to know our thoughts and opinions on everything. Uh, Even now, there are some people who believe that if people don't support the things we support, that they're bad people lost causes, or just people who I shouldn't associate with. Uh, there's this what-are-you-doing-for-me idea uh, in how life should work. Is this what Jesus uh, finished his P-squared with? As long as the, I benefit, uh, then I'll do the work? No. We see in Luke ten thirty six and 37. He asks, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. We've got to remember, Jesus was being tested by these highfalutin teachers. They wanted to see if Jesus would falter and say, you don't have to love certain people. He did so by illustrating beautifully that even if it is someone you disagree with or think ill, this does not change the fact that they are your neighbor. We did not create ourselves. We were created uh, with a purpose um, for our creation and it wasn't self-serving, it wasn't to live my best life, YOLO. It's not to determine who is politically or socially or morally right and then loathe and make enemies of all those who oppose my views. We're here to love, and we're here to spread God's light, to take a step out from ourselves and to take the temperature of what's going on around us, how are my neighbors doing, how's my friend doing, even my family. And again, like I said, I'm first in line. The selfish train, uh, putting myself—you know—even before my children or my my wife. I mean, you have to actively think about these things. Life is tough; it's hard. There's a lot going on, some of us have tons going through our mind. You're going through tough stuff, but at the end of the day, it's not—it's not about me and the and the troubles that are going on with me. It's about those who don't know Jesus who are struggling, who are wondering if Jesus cares. And so I go back to Matthew 22, 36 to 39. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you don't take anything else away this morning from my talking, um, take this away. Love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples. Again, I ask, where are you right now? Is there a Samaritan moment there in your life uh, or moments that you're dealing with? Are you the priest? You know, you see something? Mm, I'm going to go over here. Are you the robber? You're taking things right now. You're, you know, and again, that doesn't have to be taking things tangibly. Are you taking your time and hoarding it to yourself, not giving your time to those closest to you or those that need you? Um, is my focus on my life and how it's going and what can be done to make it better? Um, or is the focus on the burdens of those around me and how I can spread Jesus' light in this dark world. I encourage you to to take that temperature uh, this morning on where you're at. Love God. Love your neighbor. Make disciples. As we come toward the end of uh, the sermon, we're going to take our communion. So if you haven't yet um, grabbed that from the back of the room, uh, feel free to go ahead. It's on either side's uh, communion. But we're going to take uh, this time to remember what Jesus did for us in dying on the cross for our sins so that we might have everlasting life with him. Uh, take this time to, to seek out where you're at. what you've done ask for that forgiveness and just spend some time with God right now Uh, ask him to search you but I'm going to pray for us pray over this uh, communion and I just want you to be thinking about your life are there decisions to be made Uh, is there a burden that you have if you have a burden come tell me Uh, I'd love to help you with your burden if you're not comfortable, you got Jared, um, the elders, and you have family and friends. I mean, look around, look at all these people here. This is, a, this is our family. All right. This is why we meet. This is why we come together. Alright? We're here to build each other up, to support each other, uh, to know that we all share a common goal, uh, a common love for Christ Jesus. So if you have a decision, something to decide after this, make sure. You bring it to someone. Don't don't hold that to yourself. Bow with me as we uh, pray for uh, this communion. Dear Lord, uh, we're just so grateful, God, uh, that you saw a fit to to send your Son Jesus to take on our shame, to take on our pain, Lord, to give us uh, the example how to live, how to be Lord to understand uh, so clearly that it's not about us, it's not about how good our life is God, it's about everyone here on earth Lord who needs to hear your name that needs to hear the name of Jesus that needs your needs you as a savior your cleansing blood Lord to cover the sins that we commit Lord I just pray, God, that as we take this bread, as we take this wine, God, that we uh, recommit our lives, Lord, to, to putting self aside and, and, and reaching out and working to be that selfless person, Lord, to, to wake up being eager in hospitality, Lord, uh, to share that hospitality, to share that light, and uh, in turn share... Your glory with this world around us, God. Uh, we're just so grateful uh, for this opportunity, Lord, and just bless bless us this morning as, as we depart from here, Lord, um, that we hold on to what we've heard here, and we take that, and, and we share it. This week, God, in your son Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. something.